the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when the emergency actually comes up. And um, just for our listeners, uh, we are fast becoming now the number one provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. So uh, it really has always been a need in the marketplace. We've been doing this for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I actually have great clients that thank us for what we do. And, you know, we, of course, we do this uh, as a business. So uh, I'm glad that we're um, helping the organizations that are out there. Today, I am excited for the second time to be bringing on Margit Brazda uh, Poirier from uh, Grants for Good. Uh, Margit uh, is president of Grants for Good. She brings over 25 years of nonprofit management and grants experience to her clients through her company. She holds the GPC certification from the National Accredited Grant Professional Certification Institute and is one of only 20 nationally approved trainers. Margit has written and received over 20 million in grants from federal, state, private foundations, and corporate sources. She has a unique perspective of understanding both grant seeking and grant making, giving her experience leading uh, a prominent foundation that issued over $1 million in grants annually. So, uh, Margie, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast again. Hi, Steve. It's great to be here again. I know we we're chatted good. not too long ago, so I'm, I'm thrilled to be returning. Yeah, we're becoming good friends. And uh, I love, <laughs> yep. you know, I love the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, Thank we're, we're going to talk a little bit later on about the different programs you have. And I, I really believe in what you're doing. You know, it just makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about your clinics and classes and the different stuff and even your coaching yeah. that you do yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I have a lot of coaches on board and, you know, they're all good. Uh, but I, you know, I love the work that you're doing as well. Thank you. So, Thank you. So uh, what a great, this is going to, today's podcast is going to get listened to a lot, I know, because of the topic. Uh, and today's topic is how nonprofits can thrive, not just survive in a pandemic economy. So, uh, you know, I think everybody's looking to bear down and, uh, you know, we're past that phase where we're, we were all there, deer in the headlights. And now we're trying to kind of pull up, pull ourselves out of that. Would, would you agree? I, you know, partly, yes. I, the deer in the headlights is gone. I think we've had this dreadful uh, reality check last year, and it's going into this year. Uh, you know, my, my philosophy, I always want to find solutions together with nonprofits. That's what I'm in business for. You know that my specialty is grant writing, but working with nonprofits is so much more than that. So I coach them about how to get consistent streams of funding so they can do their really important work. You know, that's yeah. really what it's all about. So yeah, last year I was already thinking about uh, what's going to help nonprofits. And I'll tell you just last month, 
just like, we'll start with the bad news first, right? Just last month, I saw these uh, startling statistics that um, Nonprofit Times News reported that three out of five nonprofits had to cut costs last year. And I can tell you some of my clients, they had to furlough people. Uh, Some of them even had to get rid of their contract staff. And the survey also showed that over half of nonprofits plan to cut costs in 2021. So I love talking about this topic because clearly we are not even close to quite coming out of, um, you know, a, a pandemic or the recession that was resulting from it. So yeah, I, I think I was also, you know, it's so easy to get locked up into the negatives. Um, but I, I think I saw a, an article that said four, and don't hold me to this number, but four out of five nonprofits have not lost their their funding for what they had done in twenty uh, the year before. So in 2019, and I, I think it was uh, Nonprofit Times that had done it. Now, now Nonprofit Times tends mm-hmm. to be geared towards some bigger nonprofits. Yeah, but, it, um, it really depends on the nonprofit. I, I had some clients um, that I've worked with that if, if you're dependent on state funding, you probably did lose some funding because the states yeah. lost out big time. So some of the agencies I'm aware of uh, lost a lot because they were losing their steady stream of state funding. Then there were others that felt like the competition was more in the foundation world and in the corporate funding, which is true also. And mm. lastly, some people had trouble with federal funding because the same opportunities weren't always available. So I created an article that's that's on your nonprofit wisdom site. Thanks for posting it, Steve. Called Three C's to Thriving in a Pandemic Economy. So I'm happy to, you know, share some tips with you here too for our listeners in terms of what very specific things that you can do to thrive this year instead of um, throwing in the towel or having to furlough staff or having to have staff cuts at all. So, you know, yeah. our, so I let's think- let's start off with. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think our our shared passion is, you know, we want to see nonprofits do well because the work that they're doing is is so important in our society. And if if you listen to one prediction that says about one third of all nonprofits will be out of business in the next two years, I just think that's completely unacceptable. So, you know, I've revamped my mission a kind of tenfold to get out there and tell people what what can you do? How can you leverage grant funding? to not only stay in business, but to expand programs or to hire more staff if that's what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. If, before we get to the first C, let's, let's, let our, let's not keep the suspense uh, uh, for our listeners. What are each of the three Cs? What, what are the words for each three Cs? Well, I'll tell you the words for each, but they're going to sound like, oh, it's common sense, but just wait. So contact consistency and congruency. And I'll give you some specific tips on each oh, of Oh, I didn't think that they were, I didn't think that they were going to be well known. Those are pretty, um, now I'm curious. All right. <laughs> so, All right. Well, we're, you're in the right place. Contact <laughs> I kind of get. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's the thing. Um, the first C is staying in contact with funders. Every fundraiser knows this, right? Anyone who's been a development professional, worked in a nonprofit, they know you have to be in contact with funders because it's really people giving to people, especially when you're talking about private foundations. But what I've found more often than not is 
when I talk to some of my clients or, or you know, all of the webinars I teach when I poll people, they really haven't been in contact with funders because they don't want to say the bad news, which is things like, well, our youth sports program is on hold right now. So they're wondering, how do we ask for money when we're not delivering a program because of COVID and, and safety protocol? Or we've got a theater group where the kids can't do their shows in person, again, because of safety and protocol. So how can they possibly be justified asking for money? Well, here's the thing. The foundations, last year, altogether, there was $450 billion given out in grants and donations last year. And let me just be kind of an economy geek for a second here. And you're going to like this, Steve, because I know your background is in finance, so you know this stuff. But a private foundation has to give out 5% of its annual assets of how it finished the year prior. So we know 2019 was a pretty darn good year on the stock market, right? So foundations had to give out 5% of their assets from 2019 in 2020. Well, guess what? 2020, this is what I would have predicted. I thought 2020, the stock market was going to see an absolute nosedive and it was going to stay there. And it didn't. It still finished strong. Mm -hmm. So the foundations have more money than ever to distribute to charitable organizations in 2021. And that's why I'm still out here saying, get out there. If you have never applied for a grant before, do it this year. I can I can walk you through it. Just do it. Because the money is out there. I don't know yeah, what 2022 heard. will look like, but it's out there this year. Yeah, I, I heard that um, two things. I heard that foundations knowing that things were rough out there had actually upped their amount that they were going to be giving out yeah. as well um, because they knew it was rough out there. I don't know if, if foundations, you would tell me this, uh, if they have a set amount, they say, you know, we'll, we will give out 8% every year period. And that's it. Do they, you know, can, is that changeable? Um, but uh, yeah, what, what it is. is. It? And, and, you know, it's funny. I, I was director, executive director of a pretty large New York state foundation, uh, New York based foundation several years ago. And of course we knew that we had to give out a minimum of 5% each year or you get slapped with that excise tax. But most foundations want to give out more than that because they're mm. gaining so much more than that in interest. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and what I found is when I was director of a foundation, it was during the recession of 2008 and nine, and we did give out more than the minimum 5% because people were suffering, um, you know, food, childcare, housing shortages. So it was important to do that. And I'm seeing, and I'll get into the, I'll get into some trends that are going to help our listeners. But in terms of contacting funders, the reason I say that is it's important to contact them no matter what is happening at your organization. In other words, contact the people that have supported you in the past and reach out to some new funders after you've done your research to tell them three things. Update them on how your organization is doing. And don't be afraid to share you know, the challenges, the tough stuff that's going on because it's, there's plenty of that. Secondly, tell them what you're doing. So you might want to highlight a particular program that is going really well. Or, you know, to give you an example of my youth uh, theater client, they're doing a lot of stuff virtual and they're doing things in person outdoors or inside with less people in the shows. They're recording the shows. And the third thing is, and this is the most important thing, 
tell the funders you're talking to why you're still doing what you're doing. And the why mm. is critical because the why is what sells people. It's what gets right to the heart of the matter. And I can give you an example. One of my clients uh, works with women who have been uh, victims of domestic violence and yet are often located in the suburbs or rural areas and don't have easy access to services. And so they have a very unique program. Well, you may have seen in the news that domestic violence skyrocketed as a result of the isolation due to the pandemic. And I, you know, I've, we've got those facts and figures. Well, the executive director of this particular nonprofit, with every communication with the funder, she leads with this. They have seen an increase of 40% demand in their services. So when you say that, the funder's like, okay, well, what do you need for money? You know, how can I help? If you've got a 40% increase in demand for your services, you need the money to do that too. And so they've been able to hire another therapist. They've been able to do a lot with that money. And we've seen um, a, about a five-fold increase in grant funding from last year, from 2019 to 2020, wow. just because of that. So- it's possible. Let me ask you a question. I have a, I, I have a good friend who is he's just great at networking, and he's such an incredible, also just an incredible person. And he doesn't ever he his whole uh, business his career he's at, you know is about uh, networking and and um, he never expects anything in return. So he, what he, the way he looks at networking is just making friends and, and he does, he'll do anything for anybody, even if, you know, even if not asked, if he sees a, a recognize something that someone needs that they had, that they don't even know, he'll just go do it without expecting anything in return. So my question to you nice. is, I, I mean, yeah, and he's you know he's made a business out of this, but he. So my question to you is, when you are uh, talking to your donors, um, is it is it more important to get into a personal level discussion with them, uh, or is it better to tell them what's going on in your organization? You know, I, I think it's a combination. I'll, I'll tell you what, what I always recommend and, and what I do with, with our clients is we, we like to really research the funders and understand what's important to them. Um, so if a funder's priority is in helping um, kids ages zero to five become ready to enter kindergarten, to have different child readiness skills or to have good health, then it's important to understand what matters to the funder and be able to direct the conversation to that. Yeah. In terms of personal, you know, not so much with grants. I mean, you don't need to know where their kids go to school and who likes yeah. soccer and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that could be even be kind of creepy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be yeah. doing that kind of research. Yeah. But you want to be talking to the mission of that foundation and show that what you're doing is aligned with that mission. Is aligned to it. Yeah. yeah. So so my company, you know, I started Grants for Good back in 2008 um, or 2009 rather. And so for the last 12 years, that's what we've been doing with clients is we've been talking about, you know, we've been researching the funders, what's interesting to them, what kind of things do they want to fund? And if it aligns, that's when you make the contact. 
don't bother if, if it doesn't. It's just you'll be wasting everyone's time. Plus, you get pretty frustrated. I've, I've, um, I've done some surveys with um, various audiences. And one of the most common concerns I hear is I have so much, they, they say, I have so much trouble finding the right funders for my organization for our work. And then they apply to grants and get denied. And it's a terrible thing to constantly get these rejection letters. So, um, you know, you alluded to something at the beginning of this podcast, Steve. I have an online course that I love to get out to people. We've got a whole bunch of students in it right now. It's a self-paced online course. It's called All About Grant Writing. And if you go to allaboutgrantwriting.com, you'll see that an entire module is focused on how to find the best funder for you. Because if you don't start there... Oh, you're just going to get lost and frustrated. And, and there's just no need for that. There's no need to make this any harder than it is. Um, and, and it does appear to be difficult. But believe me, I've been doing it 20 years. There's shortcuts. It's, it's just not that difficult once you get the hang of it. Yeah. You know, there's another thing I would add is that, um, you know, I've had six companies over the last 25 years that I've built. And, you know, right now we, I, I own uh, uh, three companies and, and so I've been through three recessions mm-hmm. and I was in through the 2000 in the nine 11 recession. I was through the 2008 recession and now we're in this other recession. And the thing that I really learned with the uh, 2008 recession was you, you have to really, really, bear down and stay busy because at some point this will all turn. Yes. And, and it, it's when it turns, you want to be ready. And so you kind of like, it really helped has helped my company uh, through this recession where, you know, we've done well, but, uh, but we're always working on projects that we say, okay, uh, this is how we want to get better. And a year from now, we want to say we use this time wisely because honestly, sometimes, you know, during a recession, things slow down a little bit and, and, you know, you really want to kind of, and, and the thing that I know is like you were saying about the number of nonprofits that potentially will be closing, um, you know, typically from my experience, um, a nonprofit or a small business will close when the uh, the executive director or the owner of the business has kind of given up, you know, yeah, it's- and you, you do have to keep going. And, and first of all, kudos to you for having three businesses through recessions. Yeah, that could not have been easy. And yeah. clearly, you've done what you're just talking about, which is uh, stay busy, keep doing things, even though you might not see the return. Yeah. So, in other words, making contact with funders now. And, and there is money out there. So you may see the return fairly quickly if you can get those grant applications out. But keeping that going, no matter what is going on in the news, in the economy, with the pandemic, with your business or your nonprofit is so critical, which, you know, this kind of leads us into that second C, which is consistency. And it's exactly what you're speaking to yeah. is, is even though last year was difficult, I'm sure there were some days where it was just hard to go to work. For a lot of people, I had to motivate myself many days as, as I'm sure we all did, but it just seemed like every day you had to have something with a purpose to do. And, and then the return came, you know, last year I spent a lot of last year developing all about grant because I, I kept getting this question about, 
Margaret, what do we do? You know, they love the webinars and then they say, well, can you just walk us through every step in the process? I just want to know how to get from A to Z and get the grants. And so that was my focus. And then in the fall, we launched the course. And now here's the reward. I've got students telling me they've just raised $200,000 in the last six months, which that's massive. Mm -hmm. So these are nonprofits that aren't going to go out of business. And consistency for our listeners today are, I would say the number one thing you can do is get at least one or two grant applications out the door every single month. And this is what I teach in my courses. If you can do three, even better, but at least one or two a month. And you know why? Because funders will take about three to six months to reply. So Steve, if you and I sit down, we write a grant today we've got to wait three to six months, most likely to get a check in the mail. So I would say, let's get out there now and get one or two grant applications out a month, every single month. You get those grants going out the door and you get revenue coming in the door monthly too. And that's how you make grant funding be part of your revenue stream. It's just, it's just consistency, but yeah, it'll take a while to get the reward. Yeah. And there's a, there's a concept that's become very popular in the last three to four years in the i in in the idea of it's called funnels, mm-hmm. and a funnel, uh, you know, think of uh, well, think of a funnel, right? It's maybe even something like uh, uh, if you have a lawnmower and you got to put gas into it, right? There's a funnel mm-hmm. that you yep. use to put the gas in, right? And the idea is you you throw things in at the top, and then what comes out the bottom is the is in this case grants that that you get you've gotten well you're not going to get something out of the bottom if you don't if you don't put things in the top and certainly yeah. if you do a better job of putting you know uh, uh, good grant writing in then uh, the the bottom will will end up and there's going to be a ratio right you're gonna you know find out that for every 10 grants you apply for you know maybe you get you win one but then you find out that every three years when you apply to the same foundation, your percentages go up. So it's, it's just a, you know, it's just a, um, a game, really a strategy, um, where you, you got to keep the pipeline going, so to speak. The strategy is definitely keeping the pipeline going. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the tactics to meet that strategy really involve very specific things. They involve things like researching and finding the best funder so that you're not, you know, so that to use the funnel analogy, so it's not this wide, you know, you don't want to spend all your time grant writing. People I know at nonprofits, it's kind of the last thing they want to do. They want that to be quick and easy. In fact, one of the biggest challenges I hear again out there in the community is we don't have the time. Or I hear people saying, you know, we're a one woman uh, or one man show, you know, here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's really critical to help people save time in their grant writing process. And part of that is finding the right funder. Another part is developing this template grant application for a particular high priority project at your organization, right? You get that template and then you can start to cut and paste pieces and apply to, like you just said, 10 foundations and well, I think you're going to get more than one out of 10. Our, our clients definitely get a lot more than that. But the goal is really to streamline it, you know, to yeah. to write one or two really good proposals and then just modify them for different funders. Now, if it's a federal or state grant, yeah, look, it's a bit of a different animal, but still you can get those funding, that funding. 
Yeah, you know, I'll give our listeners a, a, an analogy. It's kind of interesting. So I decided, decided in December of 2019 to do the Nonprofit MBA podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a variety of reasons, you know, getting our name out there, um, giving back, uh, uh, you know, uh, having fun, you know, meeting some really good yeah. people, you know, on, on the podcast. You know, there there were a variety of def- definitely it was you know more business oriented, of course, but um, and so you know, I didn't know anything about it. So like, how to produce a podcast, and you know, there's I can't tell you how many steps it's there is. It's more than just us recording the podcast. You know, they have to get written up. They get written up yep. into an article. They get posted to our website. They have mm-hmm. to have a certain format. They you go up on technology or- that you have yeah, to learn I mean, all of yeah, it. It's, it's all this. Yeah. It has to go on social yep. media. You know, you have to have a good mic. Yeah. You mm-hmm. were talking, we were talking about that before. Right. Yeah. You have to have the right setup. You know, you have to have guests, you know? So like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go through every step with and waste everybody's time, but, but there is tons and tons of steps. And I just said, all right, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it all. It's going to take some time. And as I become, to, when I do it more and more and more, I'll get a process down. And I'll be able to outsource it. You know, in other words, I'll be able to outsource the writing. I'll be able to outsource the posting to the website, the yeah. getting emails yep. out there. Probably, right. And it took, and so the objective was in 2020, when I come out now, like, now I have all the hard stuff outsourced and all I need to do is talk to my guests. And, um, and now this year, now I move to the next level, which is making my podcast better. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is like a little, you know, a little bit better at it. So, so the point I'm trying to say is just like with grant writing, it's like at first it's a long, hard slog. And then you get the process down and it becomes much easier. And then you can do two to three grants. Well, I'll tell you, it was a long, hard slog for me because I didn't enter this profession on purpose. And this is what's kind of funny is, you know, my my master's of science is in environmental resource management. I worked in that Uh field for 20 years and I did Uh write grants because I wanted to do biofuel projects. I was also working in water quality protection. And so for me, it was a slog, but it, you know, for listeners here, it, it does not have to be. I mean, you can learn this in a month. And, you know, if you've got the right training and you're willing to go through this structured, you know, in all about grant writing, I just have this structured process where there's a seven day plan to write your grant proposal. And there's a workbook. When you finish that, it is done. You know, I think to myself, when I learned grant writing, Steve, it was it was early 90s. Okay, so you might remember the early 90s. There was no Internet. So I had to learn and, and just pick up what I could in hopes that I would get this big federal grant so that I could do a, you know, a water quality project on Lake Ontario where, where I live. And um, it was great when it came through, you know, but it was like, okay, how do I make the next one better? It was totally trial and error. Totally. And I, I never expected wow. to start my own business. It's just, uh, it, it was just kind of a funny set of circumstances and all of a sudden grants for good was born and Lo and behold, 12 years later, I'm here and I'm loving it because I work with the best people. I work with these incredible people at nonprofit organizations. And the minute they get the grant funding that we're looking for, all of a sudden I'm hearing them say, Margaret, guess what? We can serve, you know, 400 more people this year that need it. Or we've got um, 
300 more kids that are getting mentored after school that were so close to dropping out. And I'm like, oh, this is why I do what I do. You know, that's that's the wow. joy of it. I had to you, you laugh get those you, kind of reports and it's exciting. I had to laugh. Yeah, well, that's that's what's a you know, those that makes it a fun day. Uh, I had to laugh when you said before the internet because it just flashed through my mind. I'm like, those were the days. <laughs> it was so much better <laughs> before the internet. You know, I was I was saying to a friend the other day about um, when I was at college. I was I was like, I, I'm I'm 56, so I'm a little older than you are. But and uh, and so, but we had no cell phones, we had no, no. email, and I was just, I was like. How did we get a hold of our friends? You know, back then it was. You needed you know, a driver's you, license. <laughs> no, no, yeah. and you're, and you're you at college, you didn't have there. a car. So I don't right. even, you know, anyway, it's kind of beside yeah, the subject. But, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, um, with internet, I mean, look at yeah, how easy so what's it is the, to find, find funders. It's easier. Go ahead. It is, but unfortunately, it's easy for everybody. Right. right. So you have more competition yeah. now, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. You got to know the shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So you gotta get this. You gotta get this process down. You gotta, you know, it's a volume, quality, and volume. You gotta, you gotta do both of those things, right? Yeah. So what's the third C? Okay, you want to know what congruency? What that's all about? So definition of congruency is technically the quality of agreeing or being suitable and appropriate. All right. So essentially, the reason I threw this in here is that this kind of goes with what I mentioned earlier, where whatever work you're doing or whatever change you're making in the community has to be important or go right to the heart of what a foundation or a state or a federal grant wants to fund. So yeah, that sounds kind of like common sense, but things have changed in the last year. So here's what I saw happen in 2020. And I'll tell you what I think is coming up this year. In 2020, Completely because of the pandemic, we saw a lot of foundations pool their resources and fund pandemic relief, which could mean anything from purchasing PPE equipment to putting up those plastic shields, you know, that you see in stores, or maybe purchasing um, uh, software so that you could do virtual or online learning or mentoring or programs. So it was very much pandemic related. And then it also... Uh, increase to focus on racial justice. And that's what I'm seeing this year, especially. I'm seeing a lot of foundations focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also trying to eliminate racial uh, injustice, structural racism, and seeing that as a health issue. So I'll give an example. One of the biggest foundations, I'm coming to you from Rochester, New York. One of our biggest foundations, the uh, health foundation here, realize that racism is a health issue and it's become a priority. Whereas in years prior, they were more focused on, um, you know, uh, childhood health, obesity in children, sometimes medical issues. So that that's a pretty big shift, right? So I, I've seen those shifts happen in a number of foundations, basically focusing on Pandemic relief, which has now kind of expanded to how do you open theaters? How do you get arts and culture back in the community? So it's expanded a little bit in 2021, which yeah. is great news for some of my clients. And then also the second thing, the diversity, equity, inclusion piece, I feel like has also broadened in 2021, which means two things. One, maybe you're already a perfect fit for one of those two categories, in which case, go for it, run to those funders and get grant funding for your work. 
But secondly, maybe you're not a perfect fit. In which case, what about looking at what you can do? I'm not saying reinvent the wheel. Don't get away from your mission. You know, don't, don't create all new programs. But are some of the programs you're doing now already making a big difference in terms, you know, to help maybe people of color or poor communities or to bring in more inclusion into your work? So if there's opportunity for that, and I'm guessing mm. there's opportunity for that in just about every organization out there right now, um, well, there's an opportunity to get a new grant funder on board, you know, investing in your programs. You know, I think it takes someone like you to point out these things, these questions that you'll ask to an executive director or a board member, which gets them thinking outside the box, which they may not have done if they hadn't listened to you or another consultant or something. You know, it's the questions that someone else asks that you would not have thought of that I think really, I, you know, I'll give you another scenario. Like, yeah, it's so, been a long 20 years. So I, I think I've pretty much heard all the questions. It's it, That's why I love to help people just navigate this stuff. Yeah. One of the advantages you have too, um, is that you, uh, you're, you're, you're the go between, between all these other nonprofits so like you have, you're seeing what some best practices are at other nonprofits, and then you're able to be the con- congruent, is that the right word? Congruent? Uh, conduit. You're the, That's conduit. another yeah, C. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can add that to the fourth one. So right. you're the, you know, so I, you know, I think that's very advantageous because someone will be doing something and then you can kind of tell the rest of the group that's involved with you, hey. Have you thought of doing this or what do you think about that? And, you know, that's a powerful because we all get in our silos, right? Right. Yeah. You got to have a fresh set of eyes sometimes, someone to help you uh, really make the strongest case for your your work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll give you another scenario too, and it, it gets to be getting out of your comfort zone. And um, I, I have this commercial building that I own and, and one of the office spaces that I rent to is this um, um, organization that helps uh, – of kids that cut themselves. And, um, she, she has a small office and, uh, and, uh, you know, I know that recent they've, they've, they're, they've, they've been struggling, you know, and financially. And so, you know, I, uh, um, I was talking to her and I'm like, so what are you doing for fundraising? So she was like, well, we bought all these buttons and we're selling these buttons for a dollar each. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, this is going to like turn into like a hundred dollars at the most, you know, it's yeah, never and it's going to be a lot of work to generate yeah, a small amount of money, money, right. And the result and really, is, is some frustration. And then you're, you're asking your board and volunteers to do a lot of work, which they could be spending that time helping introduce you to people at various foundations. You know, you're not going to get board. You're not going to get board members asking for money outright. But if they can make an introduction to somebody on a foundation, so that you can then call and say, "Hey, I'd like to introduce my organization, tell you what we're all about, and we think we align with your mission." You know, we'd love to to be invited to apply this year. So, kind of building those relationships. I'd rather see board members and volunteers doing that than selling buttons for a dollar. And and I've seen yeah, that exact scenario. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking. You know, the chicken barbecue. And that's my point. Same thing. It's <clears throat> yeah. not I mean, going to yield point. a lot it's of like, funds. Listen, 
Yeah, you got to take a step back. And the number one biggest thing that you could do to bring the biggest impact in your organization is grant writing. It's the biggest thing. You're you're gonna yeah, make well, a lot of, of money eventually of with it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely I mean, one of the one of the key pieces of the pie to your revenue stream. It's not the end all. I would never <clears throat> I would never say to a nonprofit, you know, just make sure your all your revenue comes from grants. Usually it's, you know, maybe 30%. Now, having said that, I've worked with small grassroots nonprofits where about 80 to 90% of their money came from grants. Um, yeah. so I, I have had that. I've seen that quite a bit too. But for the most part, you've got to diversify that income stream. But yeah, the grant funding is is critical. Even, you know, the line of business you're in, Steve, I mean, you offer lines of credit, which costs nothing to obtain. I've had clients get lines of credit. And it's great because it tides them over until they really get their grant writing program up to speed, where they're seeing regular checks coming in the mail all the time. Yeah. And and that's where yeah. you want to be at, you know, is having that regular source of income. And it's, it's just, it's a really yeah, structured think, process and it, you can learn it. You can totally learn it. I did. I can just, it just, I poured 20 years of experience into an online course so that nobody would have to go through what I did and, and make the mistakes I did, you know, and being a scientist at heart, it's, it's, it's structured. I, I like to give people, here's the step-by-step process, do it and you'll succeed. Yeah. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just like, like, just like a, uh, an analogy I use with the podcast, you have to, you know, you just got to get started. You kind of, you know, like I deal with, we deal with a lot of $1 million, $2 million in. size revenue pro- nonprofits. And, and, you know, when I talk to the executive directors, you know, the, they have the grant writing, like I say, what's going on in your world. And they're like, well, you know, we got to get this grant writing thing going. And, you know, it's, it's, hard. it's very yeah. common. You know, yep. they say that a lot. Or they say, where do we even start? <laughs> where do you with start? small staff. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you just, you know, you just, what my answer, you know, I, I don't tell them this because I'm not an expert at it, but you know, I am, I am an expert in starting, taking an idea and making it real. That's what I am mm-hmm. an expert at. And the, 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 you, you can never make an idea real if you don't make that first step. So, I mean, the first yes. step would yeah. be, you know, look at your online training courses. I would say that's a first step, mm-hmm. right? Uh, talk to you, you know, uh, you know, that's a good first step. And then- I mean, I mean, look, the, the smaller grassroots nonprofits that you're talking about with budgets of a million or two, they they might be able to afford a grant professional and they might not. And I, I work with some that are much smaller than that. So really sometimes your best bet is, is, is train yourself first. And then if you need that extra help, contract out with a grant professional too. You yeah. Know, you, can, you can do that also. So- um, you know, I don't know how long we have today, but I, I, I love talking to you about this. Can I offer a, like a discount code to people for my course? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was going to ask you for and, that. And I, I'm totally yeah. winging this. I just came up with this because I'm like, you know what? I don't know who's listening today, but somebody might be saying, well, okay, how do, how do I get into this? What do I do? So I want to order, I want to offer a 10% discount to anyone listening. And I'm going to give that people a code. Okay, it's, and I'm going to keep it simple. I'll keep it nonprofit, <laughs> the word nonprofit 10. And that's going to get you 10% off. And the course is at allaboutgrantwriting.com. All right, so when we get off this yeah, call, I'm going to get on that website and I'm going to make sure that coupon code works for any of our listeners. 
And then the second thing I want to offer is just a freebie. If if you're really new to grant writing and you're not even sure how to get started or if this is for you, I, I've got a free guide on my website called Seven Steps to Grant Success. Just grab that first, okay, and take a look at it to make sure this is something you want to get into. And um, Stephen, I, I know you're good about putting all this stuff into writing. My website is Grants for Good. So it's grants, the number four, good.com. And you'll see, you can download your free guide right there. So, so grab that too. Call me with any questions, but, um, I, you know, I just, I do this. I, I focus so much of my energy now on, on talking to folks like you to reach as many people as possible, because I just don't think people should have to suffer for getting funding and, and grant writing should not be a mystery or something that only certain special people can do. It's something that everyone can do and they shouldn't have to be stressed out and spend all their time thinking about it. Not, not when we can make it, you know, streamlined and simple. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would suggest too, is like, um, you know, consider even summer's coming up, uh, consider maybe bringing in some interns, you know, yeah, that you I see that. that that works out kind of well. Yep. You know, there's an old adage. It's called LUDI, and LUDI stands for Learn, Understand, Teach, and Inspect. So it's like you know, you can learn about grant writing. You learn it, then you understand it, then you teach it to somebody else, and then you just inspect their work. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so it's good stuff. A great topic. Uh, uh, you know, I would like to thank very much. Uh, Margit from uh, Grants for Good for coming on today's podcast. Oh, you're um, welcome. This was my pleasure. I'm I'm happy to help. I love chatting with you, Steve, and I'm excited. We've got people driving the car listening to this or watching it on on YouTube. I I just think, um, you know, the the more people that get into this, the better. And someone said to me, they said, "Well, Mar Margaret, grant writing it's not very sexy, is it?" I'm like, "Well, you know what's great though is when you get all that funding coming in the door." And yeah, it is. And all, all a grant is, is a really, a really well planned idea put to writing. And hey, well, you gotta do your planning anyway, right? You may as well get yeah. paid for it in grants. So it's sexy when it's you get the money. That. <laughs> when yeah, you get the money, yeah. it's sexy. Pretty exciting when those checks yeah. come in the mail. Let me tell you, people are And if you get that process going, it. It, it happens. I oh, yeah. You. So yeah. to our listeners uh, for today's podcast, please, please free, feel free to share it with a friend. And also subscribe in your favorite co podcasting app to our nonprofit MBA podcast. Um, if you like today's podcast, please get also give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out to other nonprofits. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Uh, Margit, um, if you can just, uh, I know you said the coupon code was nonprofit10. And again, where would someone, what's the URL uh, that people would go to, to put that in? Yeah, you can learn all about the course. Go to all about grant writing. So it's one word, all about grantwriting.com. And what you'll see on that page is you can take a little four minute video tour of behind the scenes, what the course is about. It'll tell you what's included in each of the eight modules. Um, what you're going to find out is that the great thing about the course is you buy it and you can take six weeks to complete it or a year or five years if you want, because it's yours for life. It's not one of those courses where, okay, you've got 60 days to finish and then it, then it disappears. You know, you buy it once and you immediately can download and access all those courses. There's a reason I did that. Um, you know, I, 
it's so that people can binge watch if they want and get right on it. Or what if they get started one month and then there's a huge deadline and then a few months later they want to pick it up again? Well, it's still there. So yeah, check it out. A nonprofit 10 is your 10% discount at allaboutgrantwriting.com. And I hope to see you in the course because along with along with the course, you get you get live support and help from me. And I just I want to get more people into it and help more people. So it's uh it'll be fun. Looking forward to seeing yeah, folks in there. Sense. Cool. All right, good. Good job today. So um I just want to thank um all our uh, listeners out there for the work that they're doing in, in the nonprofit communities. Um, it's so sorely needed. We all have to give back in some way. Uh, we're, we're a, we're all connected and, you know, and for us. And so I just wanted to thank our listeners for the work that they do. I'm sure they don't get enough accolades and I know you don't do this for the money. <laughs> so, you know, uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. We, we really need you to Keep doing your, what you're doing. And uh, everybody, stay safe. Have a great day. And summer's right around the corner. And uh, I think every, a lot of people are happy about that. Take care, Definitely. everybody.